Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Nassim Malik is the managing partner of MRA Global Sourcing, a supply management firm that helps world-class companies build successful teams by finding the right leaders. Additionally, he is the partner and co-founder of Vitalized Talent, a capability development firm that is putting the human back in the hiring process. Nassim has worked with companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 companies, to source goods, reduce costs, and curate supply chain improvements. However, he believes the most valuable asset has been the opportunity to source human capital. Nassim loves leveraging his network to connect the dots and find the best talent in the supply chain management world. Nassim benefited from the generosity of his former peers, colleagues, and bosses in a way that led to his entrepreneurial pursuit of serving the supply chain function by creating innovative technology and providing executive recruiting services. Companies rely on Nassim and his businesses to be unwavering in the pursuit of bringing highly qualified candidates that will dare to surpass all their expectations. He stands for those with crazy ambitions and strive to outperform and is courageous enough to take unknown paths to reach success. Nassim, welcome to the One Away Show. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, I, I'm vividly remembering my our first chat, and I was uh, walking around this my old apartment complexes like this loop, and I I was just we had such an engaging first conversation. I was like, I, I like this guy, and you made me laugh a bunch of times. So uh, it's been fun to watch our relationship unfold the last six months. Um, so where I want to start today is, uh, I, I want to know. And, and just on that real quick, Brian, I knew you were cool right off the bat because I asked you, I'm like, Hey, do you mind if we don't do a zoom? Because I want to walk around. You remember that? And then I also went outside and I was walking and talking on the phone and as were you, it was great. Yes. I rem- I don't remember you asking me that, but uh, I, I do remember walking around the, the circle. So um, I'm, that was a good decision for us both, for sure. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, glad, glad we both got some exercise and got the steps in. So, uh, <laughs> all right, let's get started. Uh, Nassim, what, what is the one away moment that you want to share with us today? So my one-away moment, Brian, would be when I decided after almost 15 years of walking away from corporate America and taking a leap, the un- a leap into the great unknown of uh, entrepreneurship. So it was a pivotal moment. It uh, required a lot of thought, a lot of prep. But despite all of that, you know, once you actually do it, you know, once you realize you're not going to get a paycheck anymore every two weeks, once you realize that you eat what you uh, hunt now, it's a uh, it's hard to describe right till you've actually ventured into it so that was a little over nine years ago all right we're well, coming up on the 10-year anniversary you've been going at it good for you uh let's say say 90 percent of businesses don't make it after two years so um you're yeah. in the upper echelon here so let's see my i want to know um what were you doing prior to starting the business, you know, what, what were you doing, involved with, interested in, and, and ultimately, you know, I want, I want to understand what made you say, you know, I got to go at it on my own. 
So I was in the supply management world for um, my time in corporate. I had worked in a lot of different companies, uh, some startups, some Fortune 500 companies, always in the uh, strategic sourcing supply chain world. So basically, you know, we hear all about it in the news now. So it's uh, procuring goods and services, sourcing goods and services. To I made the move on the uh, on the side of going on my own business. It's okay. How do I still stay? close to the function, stay engaged, able to leverage my network, my you know, perceived expertise. Um, but just how do I put all that together and use it in a way where I can continue to serve the function and help other people, but you know, with a little bit more independence and a little bit more on my terms. Mm. That's how it all came about. Yeah. So let's, let's dive even deeper. What, what got you into supply chain and procurement in the first place? So after um, after grad school, right, that was one of the uh, areas I just kind of landed in. You know, back then when I started this in the late '90s, supply management programs were not as well defined as they are now. Supply chain career paths weren't as uh, laid out as they are now. Now there's so much different opportunities. So I was fortunate. I, my first company was a truck maker. Um, they make uh, heavy duty, medium duty trucks, school buses. A company called Navistar International. So it was great for me. Couple of years foundation, uh, learned a lot over there, and that really helped me then move and grow my career. But you know, once I got into it, I loved it. It was the right uh, right feel for me. Right, you're building relationships, you're collaborating, you're uh, working with both internal and external stakeholders. So it was an exciting time. And then as I advanced in my career and had the opportunity to global exposure, that's where I could then especially going to Asia, right? Uh, my background, having lived in Pakistan for a few years, understanding some of the cultures there, we're able to take that into effect as I went to you know, China and India. So it all came together nicely. So it felt like perfect, uh, perfect career choice for me as I was in it. Yeah, absolutely. So I love the progression and it was neat that what you said about the industry being a bit undefined in a way, maybe not to the level it is today. And then, you know, you could kind of see the opportunities and maybe pave your own way a little easier. Uh, and then your global background, you know, getting, expanding your experiences and bringing, you know, from where you grew up to the different parts of the world. So are you able to approach it from, you know, a worldly perspective, just with the name of your, your business, which we'll get to. Um, so Something I want to touch on too on the personal side is, is I've gotten to know you over the last six months since that uh, walk in the park. Uh, you know, what I've noticed about you is you, you have this extreme, I think, work ethic that's extremely noticeable and very creative and very uh, driven. Yet you have this balanced sense of humor to you uh, that I just is very fluid in, in conversation. I'm just curious, you know. Have you always been funny? Is it something you've developed over time? I mean, childhood experiences contribute to that? I'm just, it's a unique blend. No, I I appreciate that, right? Though I should challenge your notion of what you think is funny about me, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've always uh, always believed in levity as being an important component, right? Always take your work seriously, um, which I have, but not myself so much right and what i mean by that is yeah you're um, you know you're as you mentioned the work ethic the people you work with um it's important uh, but then also as you begin the eq part right and that's one of the things that i've always been fascinated with early on in my career even before i started stumbled on daniel goldman's book emotional intelligence and i've been a fan ever since 
of how important EQ is along with IQ right, when it comes to being successful in dealing with folks. So, you know, over the years, I've discovered that um, having uh, uh, the ability to bring some levity, right, to some, you know, to break the ice, to have some humorous comments serves you, has served me well, even in my career, right? Whether I'm sitting with Europeans, I'm sitting with Asians, I'm sitting with Americans, I'm in a negotiation, I'm in a heated discussion, right? Whether, you know, you're, you could be in a multitude of settings, but sometimes, right, to be able to kind of pierce through that and relieve some of the tension and stress by uh, engaging with people and getting them to laugh has, uh, has always been something I found to be helpful. So first and foremost, laugh at yourself, and then you can help others laugh um, as well. I love it. No, I mean, I think the insight that I'm picking up is it kind of, no matter who you're with, your ability to kind of be at ease with yourself and maybe make others at ease with themselves, you know, it can just really uh, break the ice a little bit, uh, especially in the global setting when there's different cultures and, and perspectives involved. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. It is. And just sometimes comes easy to me, just natural, yeah. just a observation. I'll see something and just, you know, you can make a connection and uh, say something, uh, you know, humorous about it and put people at ease. Great. Well, I just, you know, I wanted the audience to know in case you crack any jokes along the way, you know, where, where it comes from. So no uh, pressure now, right? No pressure. So <laughs> Uh, let, let's go back to kind of where we started. So you you had this, you know, sounds like very dynamic career working for the man, so to speak, uh, in supply chain and procurement. What what led you up to the point where you said, you know, I really need to go after it on my own? You know, when, when, how do you know it was time? Yeah, no, good question. You know, all several years prior to getting uh, getting into my own business right you I had a I had a lot of friends a lot of contacts and we're always talking as most people do as earlier on in their career about you know career paths what you want to do what do you want to be when you grow up and the opportunity to get into a business to start your business is something I was a part of with many conversations with many friends colleagues acquaintances but when you get into it, you realize, and you're one of them, right, on how few people actually take the plunge and actually do it. Um, in fact, you know, one of the one of the things that has always served me, uh, Brian, is whether whenever I took on a new job, a new uh, role, um, like before I was going to China, right, I started traveling to China. I must have read over a dozen books on how to do business in China. I learned a lot. Um, anything else, I would try to learn as much. Same here. And one of the things I learned is, uh, I think, what, 99% of the people that say they're going to do it don't actually end up doing it, right? And the 1% that do take the plunge are usually the crazy ones, right? So, like us. Um, so, that was something which, hey, if I do this, right, there's, you know, you've got to you've got to weigh the pros and the cons and understand what you're getting into. But I was like, okay, there's never going to be the perfect opportunity. That's a trap I found a lot of my friends falling into the right kind of a uh, gig, the right kind of a business opportunity, the right time. One thing you learn is there is no such thing as the right time, the right opportunity, right? You've got it. It's calculated, but once you've decided and you've stumbled on something that you think you can make it go, just take the plunge and do it. And I did it at a time where I had three kids, three young kids, right? Uh, under the age of six. And I had traveled over a million miles and that was, tiresome to say the least. And I didn't want to be out 45 weeks 
of the year. And that's what the supply chain role entailed. So that's where, you know, I got into this business, started my due diligence and took the leap. And you'll be surprised, uh, even today, as I tell people, you know, as we talk to new people all the time, or even some of my friends are like, you know, we just don't know how you did it, right? We just, we would never have the guts to do this. You're just really brave. I'm like, no, I don't know if it's brave or just uh, stupidity, but I just did it. And you do it with uh, confidence in yourself as well. That look, if the worst case scenario doesn't work out, you can always go back, right? You can always go back and get a job in the field for the most part, right? I'm probably getting too old now. But uh, at some point, you know that there should be a backup plan. There should be something that you can, you know, a plan B and a plan Z, um, as I'm fond of saying, a plan A, B, and Z. So have that contingency in place, and then you can you can make two. And I, I didn't come up with that A, B, Z. It's from the it's from Reed Hoffman's book, uh, The Startup of You. Great book, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, one, I have a lot of respect for you for for starting the business with three kids and traveling 45 weeks out of the year will take a toll on anyone. I'm sure you're like the risk of the stress on my body and time away from family versus, you know, going out on my own. You know, that's a, that's a pretty interesting scenario, but I also think that risk of income and all those things, you know, you said, I got, I got to bet on, bet on myself. I'm just curious, you know, I grew up in a, a family where, you know, the parents worked a lot and then, you know, a divorce happened and all the things. And so for me, it was always like build the business first and then have the family. And, you know, that came with its pros and cons as well, which I've learned the last six months. But uh, my question for you is, is what, how'd your wife respond at the time? Like what, how, how'd that go over with the family? Like, were you, were you scared that you like, what? I, I'm just so intrigued because to do that with kids so young, needing that financial stability to support and provide, you know, what, what did it feel like for you, maybe from a pressure perspective? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something which um, without a supportive uh, wife, right, this wouldn't have happened, right? So even though she worked, I mean, she does work, right, has, uh, has a good career as well. But um, yeah, if I didn't have her uh, unconditional support and understanding, it'd be a lot harder to do it. But she also felt that, yeah, that time away from kids and, you know, the family was, was taking a toll on not just kids, family, but even my own health too right it's just um it's uh, it was a trade-off so without that yeah i and i would contend today that i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been able to do it right if uh there was any hesitation or if there was any fear on the financial part or stability because yeah you know you do have ups and downs in businesses but thankfully you know it was been able to even that out and then even taking a step back from the family part brian one thing i forgot to mention is i guess at some point, this was latent in me. I didn't realize it, maybe from a DNA perspective. But I was 37 when I uh, jumped into this uh, on my own, right? And my dad left his career at the age of 35. He was, an, he was a banker and got into the world of entrepreneurship. So at some point, maybe it was my DNA, right? Growing up, seeing an entrepreneurial dad, maybe also planted a seed in me that, hey, this is something... At some point, I want to get into my own business too. Yeah. Well, for, for just for those listening, uh, Nassim, that means it puts you at 46 uh, if you're nine years into it. Nassim has, looks like he's 35. So whatever uh, miracle products you're using, health, <laughs> health supplements, we'll share those at the end of the show because- uh, Just good lighting and camera, that's all it is. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, totally. Um, well, no, I, I it's 
it's interesting that your father, you saw your dad maybe take that plunge and set the example for you as a young kid. And it maybe showed you, you know, Hey, there's no perfect path for this, but the path is possible for you to go down and also, you know, maybe make it, make it happen for you and your family. So, uh, I mean, it's inspiring and it's, it's neat that your wife was also beyond supportive of, uh, this decision and, uh, how you, you know, realized that it wouldn't have been possible without her. Yeah. And you know, the other, um, from a career perspective, one thing I should probably mention from a context is I actually had in 15 years, I had 10 jobs. I worked for 10 different companies. I don't even think I told you this, have I, Brian? No. Tell me. Uh, yeah. And I was, uh, I was like a pre-millennial and every single one of those jobs was, was me, was me leaving and firing my employer. Right. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done. See ya. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I've never been laid off, right? Never been, uh, never was asked to leave. It was me always moving on from my. Now somewhere, obviously, really short stints that I don't even acknowledge anywhere on my resume or LinkedIn. Um, have buried them in the dark recesses of my mind somewhere. But, um, but you know, the ability for me to change jobs and that risk-averse approach that I had was probably what also helped propel me to start my own business, right? So the ability to move, to find new careers, take the plunge was probably also um, contributing to when I did decide to take the plunge as part of the whole, my risk aversion wasn't as strong, which kind of goes back to me not being probably as you know, sharp as uh, some other people that would question my sanity for doing what I did in corporate America and then why I left corporate America. But, but yeah, I think that may have had something to do with it as well too. Totally. I mean, when you're going from making those hard decisions year after year, you know, almost every year, uh, two thirds of uh, 15 years track, you know, that's yeah. a lot, I'm sure. But you also, you, 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 with that, right, experience, you probably saw a lot of frameworks and processes and met a lot of people. And you're able to take all that knowledge with you. And, you know, I worked. I mean, technically three jobs out of college and before I started getting this off the ground, but all those applications, right, it have gone into what I've done now. And without those experiences, probably wouldn't have been as successful um, this early in the game. I mean, long, long, long way to go, but it's neat that you had 10, you know, experiences that you could pull from uh, to build what you have today. So very, very admirable. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, my last job was five years, by the way. I was at my last job for five years, right? And that... <laughs> goes back to another topic just on leadership i had such a good strong leader i worked for learned so much from him he was such an influence on me that uh, and even helped me subsequently in my business right so well let's yeah. uh just before we get to like you know taking that leap and kind of going there uh, we played the backstory i i'm actually curious you know i think that master teacher mentor leader is so important to be able to then go take that plunge. What, what about him? Who was he by this plug him? Like, who was he? And what, what do you think you learned the most from him that you've brought into your next chapter of what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I was very fortunate. My very first job and my 10th job, I had two of the best uh, leaders and mentors that are even today, friends, mentors, clients, right? Um, over the years, I've been able to sustain. The very first one uh, is Howard Levy, chief procurement officer now at uh, a med device company. And that's where I learned everything I could about procurement, right? He was an inspiration, smart guy, 
And I told people then, this guy's going to be our next vice president um, because we were getting a new VP. He was internal. People would laugh at me like, shut up, kid. You don't know what you're talking about. You've only been here a year. There's all these other people ahead of him. Sure enough, when the VP left, Howard got the job, right? So maybe I knew something about this whole search thing before I even knew it, talent thing, right? And then fast forward later, right, um, 10 years later, look at the power of network. Those two guys, my first boss I'm talking about, and then the last one I mentioned where I was five years, his name was Tim Fury. They were part of the same network, knew each other. And when Tim was looking to build his team and was looking for directors, right, he asked for names and Howard gave him my name. So I ended up working for Tim. So they both knew each other as well. And they were my two pillars, right? As I think about my career. So yeah, my last five years was with him. Um, and, you know, just the, um, the ability to learn about the function, uh, about leadership, um, integrity that he had and everything that he did just left an indelible impression. Wow. That's awesome. It's neat that you saw that. I mean, some people go a whole career without finding a uh, Nassim or a Tim, right? Tim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Howard. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Howard. And uh, so, you know, it's great that you yeah, were able to identify that, but also probably identify some bad leaders along the way. So let's, let's transition here to, you know, okay. You, you're took spent five years there and you're kind of ready to take the plunge and, and go for it. Uh, what, what were your first steps? Did you, did you know exactly what you were going to do? Is it, I mean, there was still a lot of unknowns. I mean, or did you have this like vision and just needed executing? I'm just curious how you started. So the seeds were being planted uh, probably, um, I would say the second half of my career on what I would eventually end up doing. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times recruiters and search people would call me for leads, right? Hey, we're working on this search. Do you know anybody good? And they always knew that when they called me, I always had people in my network by virtue of having, you know, having had so many opportunities, I was able to develop network. I was uh, one of the first, um, first million people on LinkedIn, actually. Um, so when uh, they went public, right, they sent you an email saying, oh, congratulations, you're one of the first million people. Like, so give me some stock, man. Don't just tell me I'm the first million. <laughs> sure enough, didn't get any of that. <laughs> but now it's what, 700 million people on LinkedIn. So I was an early adopter there and was, you know, always built my networks because of that. And always wanted to help folks that I knew were looking for opportunities. And as I was, you know, made aware of opportunities, I was always connecting these folks. So that started to the point where, okay, when I was ready to go on my own, you know, a lot of these search folks are telling me, you need to get into this world. You've got a network, you know, people, you're well-connected, you know, the function. And I was always like, no, not yet. Not yet. There's something I will do later in my career. But sure enough, right. When things had changed at my last employer, you know, my boss had left, they were you know, undoing a lot of what we did. So I started looking seriously, started talking to a lot of these search firms over the years I've worked with that had been encouraging me to get into the business did my due diligence. It was almost about nine, 10 months of diligence before I took the plunge. I went with a, a company called MRI Network. They're a franchisor in which they provide you back office support, tools, technology, training for your people. So all the things you need to get your business off the ground so you can focus on growing your business while they help you know, from that perspective. But you're still responsible for getting your own business and um, developing, building, running. I mean, you're, you're your own PNL, of course. Um, but you know, the franchise kind of helps you from that perspective. So 
the stars had aligned, right? Everything fell in place. I had initially a partner I worked with, um, but then we um, we uh, finished that up in about six months. I was solo after that. And it was, you know, I, it came to that point, Brian, where once it started aligned, everything, as I mentioned, that fell, fell into place. Had I not, had I not done it, I would have always had that regret mm. that, hey, what if, uh, what if I had done it at that time and everything was there for me to do it, right? So I didn't want to have that regret and I didn't want to say, oh, I just couldn't risk it. So I was like, you know what, I will do this. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I have confidence that if I work as hard as I have in corporate America, like you said, for the man, and you do the right thing, right? You have um, integrity, your work ethic is there, you do the, you know, you do that, all of that, why won't you be successful? So that's how I was able to take it. And uh, here we are. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, ballsy, but it seems like you, what I admire, what I, what I didn't do on the first startup, which you did is you say you took nine months of diligence. I think really thoughtfully map out. It sounds like how you were going to enter and what you were going to do and the partner you were going to help get you off the ground. And, um, you know, I don't think at least, you know, the millennials of the world, as you, you were the pre-millennial, but the, the, the millennials of today, you know, all the map out, you know, those, those steps and uh, prior to maybe jumping off the cliff. And uh seems like you were really intentional though. Say, if I'm going to give this a go, I might as well give myself the best chance at succeeding at it so you can keep doing it and, and make it sustainable. Right. Now it was, um, and it was at that point, right. You don't really think about all of that in retrospect. Yeah. It did fall into place and all that homework helped, but then, you know, I tell people now I've been very fortunate. I've had a good team. You know, I've had a couple of key people that if I hadn't had, I wouldn't have been successful. But then from a business perspective, I was really lucky that a lot of my former bosses, um, a lot of my former colleagues, and a lot of people that actually used to work for me, you know, that still like me, um, they all gave me business, right? They all opened doors for me. And that really helped me mm. continue to grow the business, right? So that and being in my space, being in the supply chain world, were the two accelerants that um, helped me get off the ground uh, successfully. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you built a, it sounds like a very, very strong reputation for yourself and in preceding roles and then built relationships and, and took care of those relationships where they paid that door forward for you, uh, for, you know, getting started on your own. Uh, just curious, you know, for you and maybe the personal development or professional development side of things, when you did take that plunge, um, as you look back, maybe in the first two to three years, um, if you were to advise the younger Nassim, right, to on things that maybe you would have done over again in those kind of first few years, you know, some of the hard lessons you learned that maybe experience taught you that you could have avoided or not avoided. I'm just curious what you would tell the next Nassim coming up who, who wants to emulate the path that you've taken. Yeah, good question. So the first three years were uh, were a bit of a uh, seesaw, right? So as as I mentioned, I was part of the MRI network, so I got the uh, Rookie of the Year award in my first year because you know we had a great year, uh, so that was good. Year two was good, and then you know we had a couple of tough years. So looking back, you know, one of the things I've always been accused of is that I'm always in a hurry, right? Um, having that uh, sense of urgency, and I guess it 
came from being in corporate or just part of my personality. So what I would say is don't be so hard on myself or yourself the first few years as you're getting things going, because there will be the and there will be the natural ups and downs, right? I mean, in this business, especially overall, the economic cycle has been improving. We were coming out of the Great Recession. Things were on the uptick. So uh, I would say, you know, continue, continue to be a little bit more patient, right? Don't, uh, don't start thinking that it has to go at a certain level. So that would be one. And the other thing would be is from a growth perspective, um, you know, seek out one of the things I should have done more was there's even within my uh, MRI network, there are a lot of search firms, uh, a lot of folks that I could have worked with a little bit more closely, learn from them um, and help uh, grow even quicker. Right. So just, you know, using some of the things that are available and not thinking you have to do everything yourself. So, mm. yeah, I think that's, that's a common mistake. I think a lot of people who start out, they, they say, I got to take it all on my own. You know, I made this decision and, you know, I'm going to put my head in the corner and just be to be to the way without saying, Hey, other people can help. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a good lesson to, uh, but it's, it's interesting because I feel like relationships have always been so top of mind for you. However, right. It sounds like you're just saying, I could have gone probably deeper and explored opportunities in, in, in new ways. And so really turning over every rock possible within a, friendship or whatever that might be. So very, very strong advice. One, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so for the average listener who doesn't know much about supply chain and procurement, I would love for you to just share, you know, what what's the day in the life look like for you? Uh, and how how is that different maybe than when you were, you know, doing this more as a, you know, rising the corporate ranks? Yeah, so good, good point. So as a practitioner versus now on the other side, helping companies find those very practitioners that I used to be, right? So it's an interesting thing as, um, um, as we're talking to folks here. So back in that world, right, you're responsible for um, negotiating, you know, qualifying, finding um, world-class suppliers in order to be able to um, make their products, right? Whatever goods or services they're making. So you're spanning the globe finding, you know, dealing with the cost, quality, delivery, all those things you need to do to be able to uh, manufacture or provide your services. And ultimately, one of the things that procurement folks are also, their biggest benchmark is also to be able to help their companies save money because you've got the biggest checkbook in the company, right? You're spending the money, right? So in my last uh, job, I had a spend, meaning checkbook of over a billion dollars that I was responsible for. So everything from it was a heavy equipment manufacturing company, right? Everything that went into from electrical equipment. Then I moved over to some other categories and commodities. So you're finding suppliers, right? You're striking deals, you're getting to long-term agreements, signing contracts, and you're a steward of billions of dollars of your company's money. So you're responsible for making sure that you do the right thing there from a fiduciary perspective. And then you're finding the right suppliers, making sure your facilities are up and running, never shut down a facility. And then helping them save money. So now what I do, you know, juxtapose that to the world of search, the commonality is, is that, yeah, we're still saving money for companies, but now we're providing talent. Mm. We're providing uh, human capital that will save you money, right? Because all these things I described that I did as a practitioner, uh, for the most part now, robots haven't come in quite yet. 
and there isn't that much automation in yet, but you still need humans to do this, right? So now I've gone from, you know, uh, to doing it myself to now helping companies find the right people that can come in and do this and help their companies be more competitive and save money. And, um, you know, help their companies uh, um, win in the marketplace. Fascinating. No, it's, it's really great to hear the perspective on, on both sides uh, because one has lent itself to the other, also giving you ways in which you do it different or ways in which, you know, you, you do it the same. So having that experience without just jumping into something entirely new, right? You had insights in a decade plus of experience to, to bring to the table when you went out uh, on your own. Um, something that's so interesting to me is what you were talking about and saving money and helping companies find the right people in this space. My, my question to you, uh, the idea of building community, the idea of building, let's just call it talent pools uh, has always been, uh, just language and interest that I've really just thought about and, and um, you know, value. And so my question for you is what does it take and feel free to answer it differently in your own terminology, but what does it take to build a really strong talent pool? And how have you been able to do that throughout your career to really help these companies that you work with? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good question because not all companies get the value of um, people, talent, let alone the value of somebody that has access to a community or a database or a, you know, even a simple list or their own circle of, ref- of uh, contacts, right? So it's, it's been fascinating. One of the biggest learnings I've had is now that I'm in this side is how everything is getting commoditized in the business world, right? You know this, you run a business and you've got to be able to differentiate yourself, right? Services, people, products, everything is getting commoditized. And it was amazing for me to see now companies saying, yeah, we just, you know, we need a supply chain director, a procurement person. And yeah, we're not going to pay any more than this. And they've got to have this, 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 and completely discounting the value that that person brings, right? It's like, hey, this person is going to save you, you know, you're getting an ROI of 10, 15, 20X of what you're going to spend on this person. And, you know, multiply that by another 10 by what you're going to pay us to find you that person, right? So um, the fee, so if they're not haggling you on your fee to find the people, right? They're then haggling over saving a few thousand dollars on securing the right person. So a lot of it's been that education to say, look, to find good talent, right? It's always been a challenge increasingly now more so than ever before, but good talent trusts people, right? They trust um, folks that they know have been in their shoes. So that was for me, the biggest advantage was that for both sides, candidates and clients is that, Hey, I've been in these shoes I've built teams I've you know, I've hired and built teams, right. I've done this role. So I know what it takes, but again, I had to be careful that I'm not putting myself too much in their shoes and saying, Hey, you know what? I would have hired this person for this role. Why wouldn't you? Well, they're the client. It's about them. Right. They ultimately make the decision. Same way when they ask us, who would you pick between two people? Like, yeah, uh, we can't do that. <laughs> That's your decision. Right. We give you, we give you the great talent, give you all the pros and cons. You've done your vetting, interviewing, your teams have talked to these folks. You have to decide, not us, right? Our job is to bring you great talent and give you everything we can about them. So it's been it's been interesting that those companies that see 
that this is our space. This is what we do, our company, what I do. Um, I'm not in finance. I'm not in marketing. I'm not in IT. This is all we do, supply chain and procurement. So, yeah, I have a network. I have people. I have trusted um, A players out there that will come to me when they're looking for opportunities. Um, and then we can, you know, steer them towards the right role. So you want to work with a specialist that has understanding of the function and has a good access and has a pulse of the talent out there versus um, other folks that are doing, you know, 10 other functions and supply chain. But our biggest challenge again is, you know, what we're just going to find somebody that's going to be the cheapest one out there. Or we're going to have multiple people do it because we're so desperate. No, you're diluting your brand. That doesn't help to have multiple people out there looking for the same person that you want. Um, and yeah, some people see the value and some people don't. So it's been an eye-opening experience. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I'm i sure for you, building and nurturing, I mean, these relationships is, is so important on both sides, especially on... You said the A players who come to you and say, Nassim, you know, help me find my next step. You know, something as you were talking that came to me was you're playing such a significant role in people's lives because you're putting them in environments that will impact their families, that will impact their well-being. How do you think about, one, building a trusting relationship with these people who are kind of putting your life in their hands and saying, Nassim and, and your team, you know, guide me into my next role. Like how, how, how do you think about that process and um, how do you cultivate a long-term relationship with these individuals over the test of time? Yeah, no, it's a tricky balance, right? So one of the other misconceptions, uh, Brian, one of the biggest misconceptions a lot of people have, even a lot of my former peers is they think that recruiters search people, help candidates find jobs. No, it's the other way around, actually. It's we help companies find people because the companies pay us, right? Not not the candidates. So that's always a distinction we have to help people understand is that, yeah, well, we can coach you, guide you, help you with your resume or steer you towards people that can do coaching and all that kind of stuff, career coaching, resume writing. Um, and, of course, for a select few that are really good and are um, confidentially seeking opportunities, we can use our network, and we do. Um, reaching out to executives and making them aware of somebody that is now going to be active in the marketplace. But for the most part, companies come to us. So, you know, usually it's candidates are so thankful when they have found an opportunity, they come to us and be like, you know, thank you so much. We would have never known about this, let alone been hired for this. If you hadn't reached out to us, if you hadn't told us about it. Right. So but yeah, to your point, we have to, you know we make sure that we are completely transparent. Right, transparency is key, and that's something which, as we work with clients, we want to make sure. Now it's so much of them are referrals, and people that have um, sent us you know sent us folks they've worked with or candidates that have grown in their careers and are now in positions to hire people. That makes a big difference as well too, because we're very particular on who we want to work with. And if somebody's got a bad reputation or as a leader, as a company, we're not going to, in good faith, I would not want to put good talent in that place knowing that this is a, a burn and churn kind of a culture, right? So so we take that very seriously and we let companies know that, yeah, if we're going to give you people, we're going to give you A players. If you want B or C players, then we're probably not the right firm for you. 
Um, and the same thing with the candidates. We tell them, look, we're going to be transparent. We're going to be open. Um, and we want you to do the same. And if you've got other opportunities or if you are not interested or if competition is going to stand in the way, just let us know just so we can work with you. So that's 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 our biggest thing. And I just tell people my procurement experience, right, that uh, candor um, and confidentiality is really important, communication, and then transparency is one of the most important things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like you take a lot of active care uh, with these people uh, that you're guiding. You tell them, you know, the flags in place and let them come to their own decision, but also, you know, give it to them straight so that they can make the best decision for themselves. And, you know, I'm sure they appreciate that. It's probably why they come back to you when they're uh, searching again. So very cool. One question that I kind of want to close on before we kind of let people figure out where to find you, uh, connect with you, all the things is um, take, take us 10, 10, 15 years out, you know, where, where is the business that you have today? Uh, where, where are you in your life personally? Like what, what does Nassim look like, you know, as you kind of come into the winding chapters of, you know, career, I mean, maybe you work your whole life. I'm just curious kind of where you see yourself in your life going from here. So 10 years from now, I look like the way I'm looking now. That yeah. should be priority number one, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little less gray. Keep the gray away. Um, no one can see that here. I mean, it looks pretty exactly. black to me. Exactly. No, it's good. It's a good thought provoking. I, I see, and something that I've always been a, an avid fan of is learning, right? I mean, there's um, so much to learn, and something that always keeps me going is that there is no such thing as a uh, uh, finish line, right? There's no uh, finishing point, just more challenges and opportunities to be had, right? And that's something which a lot of it comes from continuing to evolve and learn. Um, and, you know, I see this uh, industry about to get disrupted, you know, and it's going to happen, right? At some point, um, what's the joke, right? We're all just one software code away from being uh, obsolete, right? Every industry, every company, right? So, if you think you're not a software company, there's some software company out there that's probably thinking we want to be in this business, right? So I see that happening now. I see more and more tools coming into place. Um, you know, this is a $15 billion industry, this executive recruiting world that I'm in. And it is about, you know, it's slowly there are tools coming out there, changes are happening. So I want to stay at that, um, at the forefront of being able to adopt to those to grow, you know, maybe get into some other verticals in this world, but also by the same token, right? We've created a job board last year for supply management uh, professionals. So we want to continue to grow that. And then I'm working, uh, working with this great company called BW missions to kind of help, uh, help us. You may have heard of them, Brian, to help me just to further um, uh, from a branding perspective and from the things I want to do, um, in, uh, from an educational perspective, on uh, whether it's newsletters, whether it's, you know, um, on the website, um, and, you know, maybe some more on the media side as well, too, because more and more, um, even this field is becoming more of a media like, um, than it is, um, your traditional, uh, search, right? It used to be that this was considered more of a sales function, but now it's, how do you get people's attention, companies, clients? How do you sell them on the opportunity, right? How do you get all that together? So there's this, and how do you contact them? So there's a big 
media focus, social media, multimedia when it comes to even this field. So I just want to continue to be able to stay at a place where I can synthesize all of this. And at that point, right, either have somebody running this and doing something, uh, doing something different, but within these, uh, these two, three areas of my expertise or continue to grow this. So yeah. What is it uh, that Lincoln said? One of my favorite sayings, right? The best thing about the future is it happens one day at a time. So that's uh, that's the way to take a look at it. Love it. Um, well, I, I appreciate the thoughtful answers. I appreciate the uh, sharing of your learnings and your experience, and you know, you're 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 wise for for uh, you know some of the things you've said. I I've really enjoyed the just conversation and uh just yeah thanks thanks for doing this uh Nassim, where where can people find you subscribe to your newsletter find you on linkedin tell, tell us all the places yeah no thank you for that it's uh it's been fun always good to uh to discuss this with you brian so our company is uh, mra global sourcing so that's uh mrags mrags.com you can find me on linkedin you know from the Nassim malik and then yeah, we just got a new uh, newsletter out, the Supply Times, um, and that's uh, that's an area that you know, you've been uh, very helpful with, Brian. So, would encourage everybody to uh, take a read and subscribe to that. Well, thanks for the kind words, uh, everyone. Check out the seam. Lucky that I have a team that breaks your stuff because I couldn't do it justice the way they could. So, uh, glad you glad you chose us uh, to help you with some of the key components of your message. Uh, stay in touch excited to, to watch you grow in the future thank you Brian if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable if you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe see you on the next show